Halo, halo, Sacred Icon listeners. We used to do ads for other people, but I decided, why don't we do one for ourselves? Whether you're here listening to us for the first time or you've heard every episode, I'd like to briefly tell you what we're about and how you can support us. We have been doing this podcast since 2019, and with that has come lots of changes. We started as a primarily Halo-only show, but have evolved, combat evolved, over the years to talk about a wide variety of things in the realm of nerd culture. As you can imagine, we've made numerous changes to our platforms, usernames, and emails over the years, so now is the time for me to set things right and give the Covenant back their bomb. You can join our Discord by clicking the link included on our podcast feed. You can also send us an email or a voice message at sacrediconpodcast at gmail.com. We have a YouTube channel at youtube.com slash sacredicon, and we no longer use Twitter or X or whatever else the kids are calling it these days. So if you see someone who looks like us there, just know it's not us. Lastly, you can support us on patreon.com slash sacredicon and receive a bevy of bonus content. We're so glad you chose us to be the voice in your ear on this particular day and hope you enjoy the episode ahead. Halo, halo there, all you Spartans and ODSTs. If you're tuning into this Sacred Icon podcast for the first time, don't worry, that's not what I actually sound like. It's me, your co-host, Jovial Joshi. Join with me, as always, is my buddy, my pal, my friend, the Frodo to my freaking Sam. That's right, it's Brian Spain, Mr. Brian Arvett. What Joining us again to continue this fun-filled, spectacular series that is the Haruspis Retrospective. That's right, you heard the name. It's Alex. Alex, buddy, welcome. Hello there. So I don't feel like that either. Oh my, that is insane. What? Well, howdy. Oh, this is this is too darn tootin' to be a Halo. This is a Woody's Roundup episode. Josh, what are talking guys. about today? Yeah, we are back to, to wrap up, I think, the uh, announcements, a little era of this retrospective series. Um, we left off in September uh, on the last episode, so... You guys can listen to this stuff out of order, obviously, but if you want to go back and listen to this. Just stuff. listen to it get more and more chaotic as each episode yeah. <laughs> kind of goes on. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're going to kick things off with September 12th. The VidDoc Return of the Forerunners is released. I got several quotes I'm going to post uh, or uh, pull from this, so I'm just going to read these off, and then you guys can just tell me your general thoughts about this uh, in general. Kenneth Scott said... Anybody who's played Halo goes, okay, Forerunner is the silvery angular stuff with blue lights across it. That's really the language kind of in a nutshell. For us, it was important to break that, but still find kind of like a mathematical organization. Kiki Wolfkill said, we didn't want them to look like monsters because they're not monsters. She later said, we didn't want the Prometheans to look like robots because they're not robots. Gabriel Garza said, we thought it would be more of an impact if it's like a sarcophagus. It opens up and it's showing all this aggression. I love that quote. Ray said, or I'm sorry, Ray Almaden said, The Covenant are tried and true. You know what you're going to get out of a grunt. You know what you're going to get from a jackal with a shield. The toughness of elites. Here are the brand new hooks to the sandbox. Chris King said, We literally concepted probably 200 weapons for this game before we settled on the half a dozen that went in. We tried coming up with this perfect mixture of stuff that was still relatable. You would still identify a weapon as a rifle or a shotgun or a submachine gun, even though they're almost magical. The Forerunner scatter shot was probably the first one where we really nailed the design on it. Everybody loves the hinge action shotgun, so we tried doing something like that, so that the reload animation would be to cock it up and then the front half would smash together. Uh, a couple more guys. Bill Clark says, when you shoot and kill the knight, the actual point on the body where you did the damage is where the dissolve starts. I didn't even know that. So cool. Armando Triosi says, we're listening to the fan feedback. 
we're incrementally involving evolving aspects of the game design but there's nothing really revolutionary and i think that's important because i think really good design is evolutionary not revolutionary the last one scott warner says yeah i think at some points we got into our heads with this game that we're just going to make another halo i don't think that's what people want they may think they want that but what they really want is something that speaks to the things that they love but then provides them with something new guys what are your overall thoughts from this vid doc Mm, yeah, I mean, I remember when this first aired, because we hadn't seen too much of the Prometheans, we'd heard a lot about them, obviously, but uh, we hadn't actually seen much of them. And this was kind of the big, big reveal uh, as to, you know, how they looked, uh, how they acted, what they, uh, you know, what they sort of did in, in combat and everything. So that was really exciting. And uh, I really liked a lot of the things that they said throughout this vital. This is one that I rewatched quite a lot, like um, like a hero awakens before it, mm-hmm. um, because it's just really cool to see this team who have obviously been through hell trying to make <laughs> make this new enemy, um, just kind of finally get to present it to the world and say, right, here's what we've settled on. <laughs> <laughs> do you feel like it's do you feel like it's a fair assumption to make that like? designing their prometheans was definitely among the top of the most difficult challenges they had to face yeah definitely i watched the uh, entire panel that they did on on the actual creation of the prometheans which is like an hour and a bit long mm-hmm. uh, and they break down just like how, you know everyone's so invested with their own kind of ideas in how they want to build these new enemies um but they also you know they don't want to limit the scope of what the artists can do and everything so they were like you know different teams were kind of developing in silos a little bit over the course of development which caused some like uh communication errors and uh, that sort of thing while they were building this this new character eventually you know where they ended up i like them i, I like the prometheans and for i i will stand for them as they say <laughs> i know they've got flaws of course but i mean you look back at the history of enemies in halo you look at the halo 2 brutes the drones the uh the flood how they've been received and everything you know it's not been perfect i think it's fair to say sure uh well you know i got a lot to say about this so i feel like i'm, I'm good with taking some time to unpack this because this is a conversation <laughs> i've i've really wanted i like to have the preface here yeah i've really wanted Ryan to have a conversation and in detail for a while okay so let me just preface where i stand if alex likes promethean let's say alex is a 10 and then promethean haters are a one okay. i'm probably around i'm probably around a six i don't hate them and i don't think they're objectively bad or anything mm. so i want to i want to say that to clear i'm not going into a like a promethean hate thing here they are my least favorite enemies in all of halo personally just personal opinion and i often wonder how they came to this idea and I, I maybe they've talked about it in more detail than i've realized before but like for me it always seems so crazy to think that what they what they settled on was so they're it's fair to call them forerunner but what they settled on was a device that composes organic beings into digital beings which are the prometheans and i just i wonder I don't want to use the word convoluted because like people people tend to overuse words and make things seem worse than they are mm. just because they don't like something. But like I guess if I was if I was, you know, at three four three, I would have assumed that if I wanted to introduce three four threes to the three or and, I'm sorry, if I was three four three and I wanted to introduce forerunners to the gameplay, I would think of introducing organic literal forerunners is what I would have thought of doing. 
So, Alex, and what, what do you think? Like, first of all, why do you think they took this approach to the whole compose, digitize thing? And then, I mean, am I fair in saying it's kind of confusing for definitely mainstream consumers, but maybe Halo fans to say, yeah, those guys are Prome- those guys are forerunners, but they're called Prometheans. You know, why did they go with that naming convention? I know I got a lot there, but <laughs> yeah, so yeah, let's uh, let's break that down. I think uh, in terms of the visual language of the forerunners over the years, you know, we're very used to them being mechanical, you know, like with sentinels, constructors, monitors, and everything. So I think you know the Prometheans kind of evolve out of that sort of aspect of the design. Uh, and then, you know, because of the organ on the organic side, you know, we've had the covenant, we've had the flood and what we get on the foreigner side of that, which kind of breaks that mold is the didact himself. That's the kind of novelty of that character is there's the flesh and blood sort of foreigner we fight. And of course, the issue, if we did go with um, fighting flesh and blood forerunners is they're too damn powerful. <laughs> Every enemy would just like snap their fingers and you're gone. <laughs> That's true. That's a good point. Bye bye, chief. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I guess I didn't consider that. That is a good point. I, I feel like there's a way they could have made them more, I mean, cause like they could have, you know, there's different casts of forerunners. So I feel like they could have had like a low, lowly level cast be the, but then again, I don't want to get into that, that, that uh, habit people have of like, well, if I had designed Halo 4, because that's not what I, that's not what I'm doing. I just, they could have made it better. It's, it's actually not that hard. Cause, cause really like it's, it's really confusing to say, okay, well, why are they called Prometheans? Well, they're called Prometheans because the, the warrior cast that they come from, the, the, the knights, the, the warriors that fought for the forerunners were called Prometheans. Right. You're correct. Right. And then, so then when the Didat composed, you know, his own warriors slash eventual humans and whatnot, they became his like Promethean knights. So it's like, I don't know. Does it's, what, Do you think it's convoluted, Alex, or do you think that's a, that's too big of a word? It's a bit yes and no. Uh, I think just sort of like as somebody kind of just going into it, I'm sure they can just kind of accept like, okay, they're called this. You know, just like, you know, in Halo 1, you go into it's like, oh, okay, they're called the Covenant, and all right, moving on. Yeah. And we'll find out more later, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, uh, yeah I, I guess- mean, for me, go I was ahead, just going to say, as me not being as well-versed in the lore stuff, I always get Prometheans confused with Protheans from Mass Effect. Uh, like, oh, yeah. like when I play Mass Effect or I'm trying to talk to about Mass Effect to someone, I'm like, yeah, the Prometheans. Oh, wait, Protheans. You know, I always get that mixed up. Yeah, you do. You do do that. It makes sense. Um, <laughs> yeah, I knew you were going to say that. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess I, I guess I guess it's pretty much open and shut on that. But I, I just feel like um, I don't know. I just feel like they could have been done in a better way. Mm-hmm. But I also don't think they're the worst thing ever. I do think I'm with Alex, where I think I enjoy fighting them more. I know I enjoy fighting them more in Halo Excuse Four. Me. I like how they stick together as kind of a three piece unit, like mm. like the Covenant do. But but I also would say my favorite design for a Promethean would actually be the soldiers from Five. Really? For for, for their design, yeah, I, I like the armager body for. Design. Alex, Alex like I don't know Alex about that. Alex is like, huh, Brian's got a garbage take. Lol. <laughs> Alex, well, yeah. While we're talking about it, what's your favorite Promethean design? Uh, what's your least favorite? Uh, so my favorite would be it's it's actually shown in this video. It's not the one. It, it's one of the earlier design of the knights. Um, where they have more of that kind of sarcophagus kind of look it's got this sort of angelic face and then the face comes apart and you see the red kind of like or it almost looks fleshy like a blood sort of skull uh underneath it and had they gone with that i mean that's probably going a bit out there for like the m rating and everything um but i would have really liked that 
Uh, my least favorite is the armager. I, I hate the Promethean soldiers. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Why, why is that, Alex? Just curious. On a gameplay level, I don't find them particularly compelling to to fight I against. Agree. I don't think I there's agree. a lot of like useful kind of feedback on when you're doing damage against them. I really hate their dialogue. They're sort of like gamer bro kind of dialogue. Um, I just can't see the didact and his very self-serious warrior servants creating these these things to send onto ancient human ships. Uh, there's a there's an element of disappointment in that you know they made these distinct sort of humanoid shaped um, new enemies for the Prometheans and you can't play as them because you know rather than playable elites there was this big sort of thought like oh clearly they're introducing these to be playable in like Warzone or something you know that you know it's fine that they're not but there was a degree of like Mm, expectation around that Um, they're not actually composed beings so they're just mechanical bodies which I think completely sort of spoils the novelty of the Prometheans is that you know they are these these sarcophaguses where people have had you know you're fighting actual people who have been digitized into these war machines and they exist as a um, parallel to Spartans you know they are soldiers as machines they are people like turned into these uh, into this sort of military hardware which I think is one of the really cool sort of like thematic aspects of them in Halo 4 which uh, which five doesn't doesn't have. I, I think you make very good points. I would I would say you make a much better case than I do. Though I would say for me it really just comes down to visuals. Mm. I mean, but but then again, like say, having said everything you said, like it's kind of hard to separate those things. Like if if they were just if they didn't say the the dude bro stuff and they 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 were more reactionary when you shot them and and, and let's say in the lore they actually were composed beings. I feel like that would do a lot to to quell some of the problems you had because I just like them their visual look. Mm. I guess I like that they look more they look more like what I would expect of a typical alien race, whereas the Promethean Knights look very very different. Um, but yeah, those are all those are all good points. I very much took us off uh, course. No, there, no, no. It's just good to to, to get yeah. to talk about the forerunners. There, I was gonna say my uh, my favorites are actually kind of tied. I really like how the crawlers just because it feels so satisfying to get headshots mm-hmm. on them. Um, just from a gameplay perspective, I think it's fun. I think the crawlers are kind of perfectly designed in four because you kind of take the design language of the uh, of the drones, right? The sort of swarm enemies where they, yeah. they've got a lot of verticality, but you get rid of all the annoyance because, because yeah. it's like they, they just have a few of them and they can go up on walls and ceilings. They're Do they go just, in walls in five? Do they go up? Not in five, five, no, but in four. Wow. That's crazy. I didn't even realize that. That's pretty it's kind of bad. Like that was a really good part about them in 4. Yeah, I was going to say I really enjoyed that aspect of 4. Every time I saw them, that was actually fun. I look forward to fighting them. I was also going to say the watchers simply because they're such a pain in my ass, but I think that's good in terms of like creating a fundamental like gameplay landscape of like these are these enemies that I see and I'm like, "Oh, son of a bitch." Like it's I throw a plasma uh, grenade and I get the stick and then it would yeah. sucks the grenade up. And it's like, "No you don't." I'm like, oh, I'm going to kill this <laughs> thing. You know, so yeah, very satisfying. Um, During on, the play tests, uh, they actually nicknamed the Watcher the Little Fucker. <laughs> <laughs> did they really? They did. Yeah, wow. I did not know that. That's it's interesting, fantastic. actually. The, just a bit of trivia here is that the Watcher had additional abilities that were cut, and those abilities eventually went on to create the Warden Eternal. <laughs> Really? Which is part of the reason, I think, why people find him really annoying. Because the feedback at the time, which is revealed in this panel that I think it was Scott Warner did, 
uh, for GDC. He said that, yeah, we had too many abilities in the Watcher. People really hated the sort of like, they had this thing called junk attack where it could create this like sphere of environmental sort of like rubbish and kind of chuck it at you. It'd be really hard to dodge. Like the Warden's sort of like spherical yeah. thing that he throws at you. Um, so yeah, they basically took the, took the things they cut there and put them all in a boss enemy, which is a strange decision. Wow. Yeah. So the Warden Eternal is like the Darth Vader to like the Watcher's general grievance. (laughs) (laughs) Well, another thing too, since we're talking about that, like um, I'm sure a lot of people who are listening know this already, but they they originally toyed around with the idea of the Promethean Knights being able to roll roll up into balls and Mm. roll towards you. I remember that. Which is neat. Yeah. I always thought that looked really cool. I like the look of that as well, yeah. Yeah. You know, this is this is this is a little off topic, but Alex, I want to know if you had to choose what what plot thread or idea from Halo Four do you think got fleshed out the best in Halo Five? What would you choose? (laughs) (laughs) What got carried forward the most successfully? I think the Covenant, which is funny because they were such a minor part of Halo Four's kind of campaign. They were just there to kind of awaken the Prometheans, and then in Five, obviously, it's about kind of bringing the Covenant to an end. That's a good point. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know if anybody could pick something better than that because they very much get their arc done in five and completed and carried through. Because it's definitely not the didact. It's definitely not Chief and Cortana. <laughs> um, yeah. It's definitely not anything for Spartan Ops. So yeah, let's go with the Covenant. <laughs> okay. All right, Josh, take us forward. All right. Uh, September fourteenth. Um, Halo Seven Eight Nine websites were purchased by Microsoft. The quote was said, uh, this was taken from IGN, Microsoft has purchased domains related to Halo 7, 8, and 9, registered by internet brand production company Mark Monitor. Microsoft acquired Halo7.net, Halo7.org, so on and so forth, within the past 48 hours. There was an update to this, however. Microsoft has provided IGN with the following statement regarding the domains. Microsoft updated acquires various domain names as part of its ongoing business strategy, but beyond that, we have no comment. Uh, do you guys remember when this happened? Um... I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. we knew it was going to be a, a trilogy at this point before it shifted. But, like, what were your thoughts on that? I Go ahead, Alex. Yeah, no, I do, I do actually remember this because there was a lot of speculation at the time that this would be a kind of, like, middle ground trilogy where we really focus on, you know, the Chief and get the post-war galaxy and kind of building all that up for the eventual future of, like, uh, you know, we'll jump ahead in time and we'll see the return of the Flood for the test of humanity and everything. So that was kind of the thinking at the time. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Brian? Yeah, I uh well this, this might be might be a little bit of a hot take, but like I have always loved numbered titles. So I, <laughs> I didn't do too. I I, I, do too. I wasn't happy when they threw Guardian subtitle at the end of five and I wasn't happy when they announced Halo Infinite, uh, because I, I preferred it would have just been called Halo Six, which is as I said, it's probably a hot take because I think most people do not agree with me. Um even to this day I'm not I don't even think Halo Infinite's that great of a title. But I, it's just such a minute complaint that's very it's subjective. It's not even infinite. It's 10 years. That's not infinite. Yeah, but lies. It's like the it's never just like Halo 5 marketing all over again, Alex. <laughs> you know what, though? I think uh, it's weird for me because infinite's been in the collective sphere of like our conversation stuff for so long that I feel like it's a staple now of the Halo brand. Of like, yeah, like I'm used to it true. as much as I am the other ones. But at the same time, I mean, I would have liked... I would have liked it to be called Halo 6, but at the same time, I know for newcomers, they're like, oh, shit, I got to go. There's five other games I got to play through, whereas this yeah. is like... And with nice it being a spiritual reboot, if there's any game that that makes most sense to, to drop the number, this is the one. Yeah, yeah. no, definitely. I definitely Imagine agree. if they just called it like Halo and just that's it. 
<laughs> I mean, yeah. I would have liked that too, honestly. Was I like, uh, do I play this more. before Combat Evolved or after? Or like, you know, <laughs> like with Modern thing. Warfare, you know, you got Call of Duty Four Modern Warfare, and you just got Call of Duty Modern Warfare. It's like, okay, yeah, I guess really confusing. Can you imagine if you played Halo? You played just the new Halo first, Halo, and then you went to Combat Evolved, and people were like, this doesn't feel like Combat Evolved. It feels like Combat Subtracted, <laughs> Combat Devolved. Yeah. Um, okay, let's see. What do I have next? October 4th, a soundtrack trailer and remix contest video is released at the end plugging Halo4Remix.com. I can't remember who won this specifically, but I remember. Didn't somebody end up winning the contest and getting on, I think, volume two of the soundtrack? Is that correct? I believe so, yeah. I actually quite like that um, that second volume. I still listen to some of the tracks on there because they've got some really sort of chill kind of beats on yeah. there. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah, I was gonna say if we can talk a little bit just here about the soundtrack. I mean, what are you guys' thoughts between both volumes, just the soundtrack in general, Halo Four, how it compares to the other ones? How do you guys feel about the Halo Four soundtrack? Yeah, I think we touched on this a little bit in the last one. Mm-hmm. Where obviously, it's it's my favorite one, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, like the Volume Two stuff, that was kind of the one that I was a bit more kind of like um, skeptical of. Because, uh, you know, as with the past with uh, stuff like Incubus and uh, Breaking Benjamin and everything, it's cool, sure. It's not my particular kind of choice of flavor of Halo music, but, you know, it exists. And um, so I went into it like, well, I'll probably just listen to volume one, won't I? Because I'm not too fussed about uh, the sort of remixes and stuff. That's not going to be part of the game experience, right? But I gave it a listen and I thought, these are actually quite good. The um, awakening sort of 10 minute long track, the remix that they have on there, <laughs> one of the waypoint monitors, Sticker Boy, uh, Kenny, uh, he says he's had that as his alarm, like his morning alarm for the last like eight, nine years or so. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's just like this really kind of chill sort of beat, which uh, which gets you going. So yeah. That's cool. I like, quite like those ones. Yeah, pretty good. What yeah. I mean, I, I guess here and Alex talk about the the soundtrack i'm just thinking you know truth be told we've never had bad halo music we've never had bad halo music at any point if if the entire like for me the lowest point personally is reach probably reach mm. or five but probably reach probably reach but if yeah if the whole series was 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 consistently reach quality i would still say it was good quality it yeah. just wouldn't be what i wanted so there's yeah there's we're in we're in no, a that's good fair. spot I'd agree with as that fans. Too. Yeah. I agree with that too. So I mean I still I still like Halo Four soundtrack. Even fives I'm really I'm starting to get nostalgic for the score, even though it was <laughs> underwhelming. I think I love some tracks like The Trials is really good. The Covenant Prayers yep. one. Yes, is, uh, Covenant Prayers is really my favorite good. one, actually. Yeah. Yeah. The, love that. The, the, the the most memorable thing about Halo Five soundtrack to me is just being in the main menu and having the, the sound swell yeah, so loud that nobody can even hear their eardrums. It's like, but uh, Man, yeah. I hope I hope Man. MCC at some point like I doubt it'll ever be a thing, but I would love for the for them to get like some kind of like playlist rotation, and I can just mm. put songs on there and just have them randomly play it at their discretion. You know, something like that. used to have uh, something like that where you had the sort of the music player on the on the dashboard, which you could play while uh, while you were playing games. I'm not sure. Yeah, if the current Xbox has got. I I just did it on my Series X yesterday. Oh, nice. I was oh, listening cool. to a, a band called Travel while playing Halo Five on this on the Xbox. Seeing Red is that that's that's one of their songs, right? Uh, the Red is their the Red. Okay, song. yeah, so much angst, yeah. so much angst. Um, oh. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't really say there's that much angst in Chevelle. Maybe maybe back then that, that might be know. fair. It's like Anyways, angst. though, 
Uh, I know this is off topic, but I really want to ask Alex because this is the kind of random nugget off trail stuff that I'm sure listeners like to hear. Alex, where would you say your Halo 5's campaign and slash story, all in one package, mm. where would you say it, out of 10, what would you give it objectively and subjectively? <laughs> and how has your opinion changed since launch? I would love to hear it. I know this is Halo 4, but I want to hear it. Okay, so at launch, my uh, estimation of the campaign uh, in terms of quality, taking it all as a whole, you know, gameplay, story and everything, I'd probably put it about five. Uh, Five for Halo 5. Um, (laughs) Very fitting. (laughs) Yeah. Now, you know, looking back at it, I'd probably give it a six. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which is, you know, not the most generous kind of estimation. But, you know, I think the Sanghelios missions, really great. There's good stuff on the um, Meridian missions. I think Genesis is all bad. <laughs> not a big fan of that. But I do like those other two worlds. And I think that um, the opening mission, Osiris, is a really good kind of tutorial level to throw players into. Um, I think you get a really good kind of grasp of the abilities and uh, really cool sort of combat encounters in that level so yeah i think i'd settle on a six overall for, for the campaign i think that's very fair um when I, i'm kind of uh two two more extremes because when i first played the five campaign i would have been like two, two. <laughs> i was so upset but now i would say trying to be objective um, I love the gameplay and i actually personally i i enjoy the separating the story I enjoy the entire campaign. I actually like every single mission and level. Oh, unless you count. Okay, I don't enjoy the the, the walking hands down missions. <laughs> I don't enjoy those. But every combat mission, which is the majority of the game, I actually like all the missions, all the levels. I love the gameplay. It's just the story that fell super flat. So I think today my objective stance on the campaign would be a seven out of ten, which. That might seem generous to some, but when all the rest of the campaigns are in the nine ten spheres for for me, that's that's quite a fall for I think Halo. That's a respectable respectable decision there. Yeah, Where are you at, Todd? Good. Uh, I'd probably give the campaign a six, maybe a five. I don't know, because like all of that, the five or six is like all all because of just how fun it is to play, like the verticality and everything, hmm. but less to do with the plot. Uh, Alex, I don't, I don't think I ever told you this, but I had bought both limited edition controllers, the Master Chief and the Lock One. Oh, nice! And my mindset was, when it's a lock level, I'm going to use the lock controller. When it's a Master <laughs> Chief level, I'm going to use the Master Chief one. You could probably guess which one I barely got to use, <laughs> and I was kind of, I was kind of bummed about that. Uh, salty for sure, um, but uh, at the same time, the multiplayer was so damn good. Press F for uh, for your Master Chief controller. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> You're like. He's like, I like Josh. Your your F, your chief controller's still in the box. You're like, yeah. I mean, the the chief missions were so sparingly. I just forgot to switch. <laughs> yeah, at, I think at some point, I once I I think I just heard. I think you had beaten it already, and I'm on like the third or fourth mission, and you're like, there's only like three levels with the chief, and I was like, well, I'll just save that controller for multiplayer then. You know, like it was something of that effect. But yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. I. I the campaigns, it, it, it's still, it's a lot more enjoyable now because the expectations are gone. Like I just, I can play it knowing what to expect now. But uh, man, the multiplayer is so good. Yet I also recognize more and more that yeah, it was a little too in the sphere of sweaty. You know, it wasn't as uh, friendly, casual, except uh, casual friendly. 
I'm sorry, I'm, I'm taking this off course here, but this is really fun. <laughs> sorry, I think people enjoy so, so then at the same time, uh, Alex, Halo 4, where were you when it came out, the campaign, and where are you now? <laughs> yeah, when it came out, it was like 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, now, with the benefit of like, you know, being more sort of critical about it, uh, you know, factoring in some of the uh, some of the levels, the level design in some areas, you know, I'd probably knock it down to like an 8.5 or a 9 uh, overall. Because um, I think like, I think Reclaimer is the mission that really breaks it for me, where, you know, it, it's a pretty cool idea for a mission and everything, but the sort of the axis of story and gameplay really struggle to kind of meet together in a really sort of cohesive way compared to pretty much every other level in the game. And I think it does that at such a pivotal point in the story and the campaign that it kind of sticks out a lot more than it otherwise would. Reclaimer, the one where you're on the mammoth? Yeah. I, wow, every, literally everything you just said, I'm 100% agreement on. Mm -hmm. I would say 10 was where I was at. Now I, I would say 8.5 for like the same exact reasons as you. If we can't do 0.5s, I'm giving it the 9. Yeah. But 8.5 seems like the safe spot. Definitely. Josh, what about you? And then after this, oh, we'll go man. and move on. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm sorry. I probably would have, gosh, I probably would have been at a, I don't know, maybe a 3 or something like that. Yeah, he didn't like it. Play. Well, that, to be fair, it's because I didn't, I didn't grasp the story, though, um, to be fair. So I was definitely biased. Um, but now, for me, I'd probably give it like, a six or a seven. It goes up more and more for me now that I understand this other stuff. That's over double where you started. So that's yeah. I mean, and to be fair, I mean, I don't think you need to understand. You know, I, I've I've realized more and more how much more accessible Halo Four is compared to something like Five Story. But um, having no, having learned some of this additional context and stuff, especially um, reading through the Forerunner Saga, like it's really enhanced it in a way that uh, has helped me not only. It's not only enhanced things like Halo Combat Evolved for me, but also um, Halo 4 for me does a bit more than other Halo games in terms of like, I guess, I, well, I guess Theater of the Mind is the term I'm going to go with because like when I have the other Halo games, I mean, I do have some of that background knowledge of like this is going on or this is what they're referencing or this is what they're talking about or, you know, I'll, I'll play through Halo 2's campaign and think another day at the beach just happened, you know, or something like that. Like it's still out there, but when I hate when I play Halo Four, there's uh, all this additional stuff that I think really makes it. It really helps enhance it. So, but yeah, it's a, it's only grown for me in the multiplayer too. Um, I, I like it a lot more than I used to. At first, it was like this sucks. I was like, I hate sprinting, and sprinting needs to be gone forever. And then they they, they did it in Halo Five, and I was like, I love sprint. I mean, don't leave, don't take it away. <laughs> Complete polar opposite response. So fair enough. Yeah. Uh, moving on. Wow, we only got a couple of these left. It's crazy. Uh, October 13th, shit hits the fan. Illegitimately obtained copies of Halo 4 have leaked to the public. Gameplay videos, including full-level playthroughs and cutscenes, as well as the ending, have started circulating online. Do you guys remember this? And also, uh, were you guys able to refrain from looking at that stuff? Did you peek into it? Uh, what was this like for you guys? I went dark. I didn't spoil myself. I went dark. I didn't spoil myself. You went dark? I did have the Night Act appearance spoiled for me, uh, not by seeking it out. Uh, it just appeared on Twitter, uh, which was very annoying. Somebody had just posted the picture of it. It was like... <laughs> Rage. Needless to cool, say, that person... I wanted to see it properly. <laughs> yeah. That person is not on Alex's Twitter anymore. No. No, they're gone. They're, they're not on this plane of existence anymore. Anyway. <laughs> 
<laughs> and one other thing was spoiled for me is uh, a brief clip of the chief crawling towards the bomb at the end of the game didn't know it was the end of the game didn't know any context around it i just saw that you know there was that first person kind of vignette of him doing it so i was like okay we're gonna crawl towards the bomb at some point cool and that's basically it okay yeah you i said uh, you went dark too brian yeah, I, did. I wasn't spoiling anything beforehand, and I, I know that's the case because when I was playing the game, I thought, to, I mean, as I was playing it for the first time, I thought, they won't kill Cortana. No. <laughs> like, nobody's got the balls to do that, let alone a new studio. It's not going to happen. And at the end, I'm like, <laughs> Cortana, <laughs> come back, please. Take me. When I first played that, I was like, what's happening? Like, she's standing like the same size as him and everything, and I was like, are they going to kiss? I was like, oh, they're about, I think they're about to kiss. And I was like, okay, I've been waiting for this. And then like dialogue would have you believe they might have. Yeah. And then they didn't. And then she died. And I was like, no, I pretty much had the same reaction as you. I was like, what? I I was like, chief is, he's just, he's just chief without Cortana. He's just chief. I get, I literally get, you know, every now and then in a game, you'll get like chills up your spine or something. Every time, right when she fades out and it pans back to Chief mm. and there's just this look of sorrow on his face even though you don't see his face and then kind of the, I don't know what you want to call it, debris or explosion behind him yes. as the blue shield's about to part. disintegrate. Yeah. I'm just like, just like a chills moment. Like, oh my gosh, this was, this. they landed this moment perfectly. And you know, it, it makes sense as well because the mantle's approach is obviously such a massive ship that it makes sense they wouldn't immediately have fallen apart. So they have that time to, you know, have that conversation and then they time it so that literally when she's faded away, you know, the structural integrity of the vessel has like fallen apart. So then the ship, you know, comes apart and it literally has the image of like, yeah, Chief's world is literally breaking, breaking apart. This yeah. stuff like that stands out to me as like peak Halo moments. You know what I mean? Like it deserves well, there, to be in that sphere. And there's this, and like I say this as a good thing, Josh. But like Josh, when you play when you play games with Josh, sometimes he'll he'll get caught up on a moment and he'll really like it. And he'll. So I remember we were playing Halo Four campaign, and we we were at the cutscene after that with you know uh, Locke talking to Chief, saying that you know soldiers are are humans too oh, or you, whatever. You mean Halsey? Or wow, I said Halsey. <laughs> you mean <laughs> you, said Locke, you said Locke talking Lasky? Yeah. You said That's what I meant. Talking to Chief. Oh, Locke talking to Chief. Yeah, I was like, I don't <laughs> I guess it well, would have made it less surprising when he showed up in five, right? <laughs> you know? uh, no, when Lasky's talking to Chief and he's just like, you know, uh, soldiers are humans too or whatever. And then he, he kind of, you know, he says like, she said that to me and everything. I remember Josh over the headset being like, damn, dude, this is such a good moment. Like watching this, Josh, like watching this makes me want to say like, this is one of my favorite Halo campaigns. I, this is great. You know, it has I mean, its highs are so high. I think that moment too, when he like jerks his head, like you just the body language, they just did such a perfect job communicating Chief without having him say anything in his body language. Like that says so much about people in general, you know, and how they, you know, if someone's if you're talking to someone and they're like walking away, you can tell that's a sign that they necess- don't necessarily want to like engage deeply in a conversation. So with Chief, I mean, they use that as a way to communicate his expressions without having to show it. I thought that was, was so well yeah, done. Yeah, and, and Lasky just felt like a character that fit and was always there, which is like... Absolutely. Yeah. You wasn't the case know that he wasn't character. in the original trilogy because he just feels yeah. so naturally as part of it. Yeah, and I wonder how much watching Forward into Dawn helped me with that. But I, I've heard people who've never seen Forward into Dawn feel the same way about Lasky. Yeah, so I've, I've seen people com- like playing through the series for the first time saying, Lasky, my boy, you know, I love him. And they felt like <laughs> seeing Forward into Dawn. So there you go. They were successful there. <laughs> 
That looks uh, for back better. A sec to um, oh yeah, go to for the it. bit where you know the world falls apart around Jeep and everything. The sort of the composition of that scene reminded me a lot of um, Force Awakens when you know Kylo Ren is talking with Han Solo and they have it so that the light fades out at exactly the right time, yeah. so that you know it turns to red over his face and uh, you know the kind of conclusion he's come to. It's that same kind of like oomph moment where it's just like, oh, I know where this yeah. is going. I know what they do. This is happening. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. It's heartbreaking. Very well uh, for better or worse, what are your thoughts on Sarah Palmer as a whole? Oh, well, I know that at least one of us has a very, uh, very strong opinion. <laughs> you you can hate her completely. I won't bother me. Not, no, not so at all. I, I, I really like the character, actually. Um, I think... Um, it's a shame because in the cut sort of like in the original scripts for for halo 4 she had a bit more of a role in the campaign uh the reclaimer mission was actually going to feature her a little bit more we're going to see more of her interacting with chief unfortunately that didn't seem to make the cut because reclaimer definitely seems like the mission that they kind of cobbled together like the most quickly and didn't have as much time to polish um but yeah, in the campaign, you know, when she showed up and said, you know, I thought you'd be tall, I was like, hey, that's what the Marines in Halo One say to you, and <laughs> and then other people got really unreasonably angry about it <laughs> because they're yeah, you know, idiots. <laughs> uh, I I will say when I first played the Force campaign, her presence in the campaign, I actually loved it. Um, did, her her I thought you'd be taller did not strike me as an issue or bother me at all. I liked her design, her character. I liked. I know she's not much in the actual campaign, but like her, she was on the background during the moments with Del Rio. I liked her. I, I was cool with it. Um, when I played Spartan Ops, I saw more credibility for not liking her. Yeah, because of definitely fair. Yeah, because of um, you know heads. calling the yeah. scientists eggheads <laughs> and and she's the one who literally made Halsey lose an arm. Um, so I I got it, but it was one of those things where like. Cold, like the Halo community rallied around hating her, so it starts to seep in your subconscious and almost make you wonder if you hate her. Hmm. Like, I don't know if that's ever happened to you guys, where it's like so much influence starts to kind of change your mind. So I think there was a brief moment where I kind of was like, eh, I don't really like Palmer, but then I came out on the other side being like, Palmer's fine. Yeah. She's not a god tier character, but she's not bad. See, there's <laughs> a, she was- the, it's actually one of the few things that Halo Escalation, the comic series, does really well. In that, you know, she's obviously got a very black and white view of like kind of morality and everything in in the Halo universe. And that series does a great job of kind of challenging her to see more of the grey through her interactions with Halsey. Didn't end too well, unfortunately, in the final issue, but all the build up throughout as she's kind of having to navigate these situations and that and you know even in Spartan Ops when she goes after Halsey, you know, as you know, as questionable as some of that delivery is. It's ultimately to uh, to protect Tom because he's not going to be the one. To, he doesn't want to be the one to execute a civilian, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but she is willing to kind of bite the bullet to to do it for for him, so he doesn't get court-martialed. That kind of loyalty is something I really like. I like to see in a character because it leads them to make very interesting choices. See, Alex, why are you, che- why are you cheesing, Brian? It's <laughs> such a mischievous be- cheese. Alex thinks it's because of uh, Palmer's loyalty, but the reason she actually rushed out to kill Halsey is because Palmer had just finished the Kilo 5 trilogy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I was going to say, I actually, uh, I know, I mean, I'm biased and definitely liking her, but I also, 
like when I read Escalation and there's Spartan Ray in there, Spartan Ray was a character I actually really, really liked. Yeah, she's and bad. I want to see more of. And I mean, some of that bias I think I might have is because it's so nice to just see some female Spartans. I, I was just really, I just thought it was really cool to have that kind of like presence. Um, and especially when I started to see the beta stuff from Halo 5's multiplayer of just the do bro like slapping hands and everything like that and i thought i mean i know you can play as females you could play as female spartans then too uh for the multiplayer but i just thought it is so nice to kind of get like uh some more feminine side of things especially with like halsey and just stuff like that like halo 4 did, did so much for that uh that's a whole different episode in of itself but um i love palmer for that reason too because it was just nice to have more female characters on screen and yeah, even though I'm like super attracted to Palmer as a character, like like it was just it was just nice. Yeah, it's just it's just nice to uh, to have that because there's there's a lot of it's a kind of a sausage fest for a while, so it's mm. kind of nice to break up the monotony. In another world, you know, there's an interesting kind of what if situation where Miranda wasn't killed in Halo Three, and she takes kind of Palmer's place in the story, that uh, and then so suddenly cool. her hatred of Halsey makes a bit more sense, like right off the bat. Yeah. Yeah, you kind of. I was already going to kind of touch on that same thing. I was like, you know, well, Miranda was not done well in Halo Three at all. So, I mean, I, I think it's it's kind of funny that we that people rally around Palmer being so awful, but I, I think Miranda was done dirtier than Palmer. And now, obviously, with the TV show, we actually have an opportunity to get you know give Miranda her due. I really like the actress who uh, who plays Miranda. She was in uh, Sex Education on Netflix. She's really oh, okay. really cool in that. Um, so I'm just really excited to see what they do with her because they're actually going to do something with her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wish that was what we were focused on rather than who's playing her. You know, yeah. I'm not going to go down that, but you, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. A lot of controversy, uh, around that stuff for some odd reason. But, uh, yeah, I'm really excited for the, I'm looking, we're going to have to have Alex on for some, when we're talking about the Halo show some when that, cause that's going to be an interesting time where like we actually can say, Hey Alex, did you catch the new episode of Halo this week? Yeah. Yeah. so cool. um but uh last thing i wanted to ask you guys just in regarding to leak stuff is more about infinite if that starts to happen with infinite because it's been so tight-lipped because it's been so well controlled i feel like is that going to be tough to stay away from in 2021 where social media has such a heavy presence compared to 2012 yeah is it gonna be tough <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> very much so. um one division i've not seen one division yet but I've managed to avoid spoilers for it. I'm waiting to watch it with my with my partner. So uh, when I can see her properly, you know, we'll we'll watch through it. Um, I've managed to avoid like most of the spoilers. I know like a character who shows up from you know a, a certain other film and all that. Yeah. Um, but like I I broadly have no idea what happens in that. And I can sort of distance myself from that sort of thing. But when it comes to Halo, you know, <laughs> I obviously follow so many Halo accounts and somebody's going to be tweeting something about it. I think there's going to be so much of an appetite for digesting those spoilers if they if they do come out. And I'm surprised, actually, we've not actually had like many leaks at all. We had what the grapple shot. Yeah, that was it. That's about as it. As far as really. I know. Yeah. Yeah, I think we had a toy leak of some sort that kind of helped us. Like, well, definitely fuel some speculation kind of assumed, at least. But yeah, we all kind of assumed the banish were coming because of toys before it was mm. properly announced. So that's that's maybe one. Um, I'm I'm in the vast minority where I don't want to be spoiled, but being spoiled on any movie show or game, it doesn't actually affect my enjoyment really Same. at all. 
I'm not really? in it okay. for just the shock value of like, oh, what a yeah. twist, what a surprise. It's like, yeah, I think more mechanically of like, okay, so, you know, what does this mean for the storytelling? And, you know, how is this articulating a certain point? So, you know, just getting those out of context is like, okay, cool. Let's see how it is in the game. Yeah, I remember at work, somebody told me there was like a, a week or something before End, Avengers Endgame came out. Somebody was like, oh, they were like, dude, um, Hulk, uh, he wears the Infinity Gauntlet with the stones and Captain uh, America gets gets the hammer. And like, those are big things to say. Didn't bother me at all. It was like, how was that going to be executed in the film? Mm. Whether it's going to get They're me still wanting, Yeah, I, still trying to see how, like the context yeah. of it, yeah. So, oh, I get that. Um, yeah, because there's there's some things like and obviously I don't want to be spoiled, but there's some things about Infinite that I'm really chomping at the bit to know if they're gonna like like I don't like we know Cortana is gonna have some involvement because they've teased at her in several ways, but like you know it makes me excited and nervous how they're gonna touch on her mm. because obviously if they were gonna touch on her in a similar way to Five, I'd say let's just not touch on her. <laughs> if if they're gonna touch on her in a way that's kind of like, or maybe they'll touch on her in a way where it's kind of like nebulous and it's not very on the nose, and you kind of really don't know by the end of the game, mm-hmm. or they'll do something very direct, like wow, fourth mission of the game, suddenly Cortana's in your head again. I never expected this. Like I just have no idea, and I'm mm-hmm. just so curious as to what is gonna happen with her. So yeah, that's definitely fair. Um, let's see, October fourteenth, the next day. Uh, there was a vid doc, the last one I think they had, uh, making Halo 4 Infinity multiplayer is released. Now, we did, guys, uh, talk a little bit more at length in the previous episode about Halo 4's multiplayer, but uh, last thing I wanted to ask you guys about Halo 4's multiplayer was what do you feel like the legacy of it is? I mean, the kind of stamp it's, you know, the impact it's made. Like it's kind uh, of sadly, tough. I mean, I not as good that. as it should have been, uh, I think, is kind of, you know, the, the enduring legacy. I think a lot more people are kind of a bit more open to it now that it's on MCC. And it's just part of that base experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the BTB is loved. I, I think loved is a pretty fair word to use there. You know, they had good maps and everything for that. They did really cool sort of evolutions there. Uh, Legendary Slayer is now far more common uh, as, as something that comes up. Uh, on the MCC, so you get more of that kind of scaled down experience without, all, like you know, all the bells and whistles that they added. Um, but unfortunately, it, it seemed like some of those things in the game itself, when it came out, came a bit, you know, it was too little, too late, almost when when they did that, which is a shame. Yeah, I remember you, Brian, really liking before five had come out. Before we even saw the gameplay, I remember you saying things like thrust you really liked, and you hope to see some of those things kind of. Continue. Well, I, yeah, I actually said long before Halo Five was unveiled, I was like, the one thing they need to keep from Halo Four into Halo Five's multiplayer is the thrust. And then when they kept it, Josh was like, "Wow, Brian, you, you said that like they yeah. actually did." Well, that's true. Um, but I have a, I have a different take on it because I, I'm somebody who's and this might sound mean, but I'm somebody who's more likely to blame fans than developers when it comes to games or movies or anything really like for instance when i think of like the rise of skywalker any of my complaints with that Mm -hmm. i i think of the fans as the problem more than i do jj or disney not that they're faultless um but when i think about the situation we're currently in with halo multiplayer i kind of blame the fans because you know when bungie set out to make multiplayer which obviously they didn't really they hardly even set out to make it in Halo <laughs> yeah, One. it was more like definitely it was more like let's push this shit out the door because we have an extra hour um <laughs> so but halo kind of organically became this competitive thing but it was always fun and then 
you know, uh, Bungie left on Reach, which people complained about the competitiveness, and then 343 came in with four people complained about the competitiveness, and because of the the overwhelming outcry from fans about it not being competitive enough, we got Halo 5, which focused so heavily on that sweaty competitiveness that it almost disregarded a lot of the natural, organic thought that went into just being a fun time for oh, people. You're right. You know, it, it felt like it felt like Bungie was always making a fun multiplayer experience that might happen to also be competitive or not. As much as Whereas, I... Go ahead. Well, I was just saying, with, with, with 343, once we arrived at Halo 4, uh, there it was pretty clear their motivation after 4 was, we need to make sure we get the esports guys in here, the pros. We need to make Halo 5 extremely competitive. And now they're in this tough spot of like... I, I think, you know, we get people get so caught up with like the things that get talked about in the Halo community so much, sometimes you forget that that it's not your idea. It's somebody else's idea mm. where it's like, you know, a lot of us just enjoyed having fun in Halo, even if it wasn't competitive back in the day, whether it was two, three reach four, whatever. Um, but so now we're at this point where like infinite needs to maintain to satisfy, like it needs to satisfy that crowd from Halo five that, that wants a real competitive experience. But we want to be able to bring people back in who can just lay back, lay back and have fun and chill well, as much as I'll miss Halo fives multiplayer being the relevant multiplayer title. I think it's the best approach for them to go with the Halo 3 type vibe, just because for me personally, Halo 3 felt like that nice balance. Like I think Halo's multiplayer is most successful when it's built from the ground up to be fun rather than competitive. And then the comp the competitiveness kind of breeds through it being a fun game to play, a fun experience at its base. So I think if they're going with that kind of like DNA, um, I think it's gonna be great. I think it's gonna be able to strike that balance because I feel like Halo 3's multiplayer was pretty much like well rounded natural it was well rounded and it felt like a proper step like i don't remember playing halo 3 and thinking this is a downgrade i was like wow i love this it's probably the closest to like perfect i would call a multiplayer mode yeah no, i could is see that, that especially what would you say is your favorite alex multiplayer um having like been playing it a lot with the uh fov slider you know over the last year or so it's halo 3 yeah i get that man i Halo 3 has always been my record, favorite. But that FOV changed the whole game for it me. Did. It did. I went through a phase game. of like being like, you know, oh, I can't play Halo 3 anymore. It just feels too slow because you're stuck at that like 68 to 70 FOV. And then they added that and I was like, no, I was wrong. This is still the best thing ever. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just I played I just played through the whole campaign again for the first time with the FOV at 120. Mm. And I was just like, that was so much fun. I want to restart and play the campaign again. Like, I honestly think the like if my score of Halo Three was an eight out of ten, it's literally a whole nine, a whole an extra point just because of the FOV slider. Mm. That's good, man. I uh, yeah. you know something too is like I'm so glad three four three went and fixed that battle rifle. Like just the, the collision oh. detection and stuff mm. with that. Like it, oh, it's so satisfying now when I use that in there. I'm like, this is how I wanted the battle rifle to work. That was really the only complaint I remember having with Halo 3's multiplayer was that and that whole like play a copy of three a three sixty copy of Halo three nowadays. I think FPS. the only thing I ever wanted extra in Halo three was like an assist medal or just some acknowledgement that you had contributed to a kill, and then that was basically it. Dude, you know, I miss the the cis medals from the Halo Five beta. Those were my favorite. Yeah. I love. I remember they they like a lot of people complained there was too much, but I was like, this is great, and I like. It that made stuff me because... feel like 
Cool. Maybe I'm just a, a plebe, but like when I was playing Halo 5 beta with Josh, who was is a far superior multiplayer Halo player than I am, every time I got the assist medal, I felt good. Mm. So I like I would I would be more happy to assist Josh, not die, and let him get the kill because I was getting all these assist medals. I was just so gonna say that's out, what's you know? beautiful. They kind of did stuff like that because I think especially in five or just in Halo in general, everyone has had a friend or a player they've known who gets kind of mad or annoyed that like. They didn't do as well as somebody else. But then, like, for me, for example, if I don't do too well in a match, but I have a ton of assists, I feel like I still really contributed. Mm. And for some people, the stats, just seeing the Carnage report isn't enough. Sometimes it's nice to have those medals and that notification. It's almost like a gold star in elementary school or something like that, you know? So, yeah. Um, On October 18th, premiering on Late Night with Jimmy Fallon, the launch trailer Scanned is shown. Now, this is at the point where, like, we're getting close. We're just a couple weeks out from the game launching. What are you guys' thoughts on this trailer? Um, where are you guys at with your hype? I'm thinking that, uh, you know, Halo 3, we had Neil Blomkamp. And Halo 4, we've got David Fincher, creator of Fight yeah. Club, making a, making a Halo trailer. And it just, Weird times! Yeah. Yeah, it's odd when you think of, like, some of the biggest names that have worked on this franchise in in a way that's, like, you know, not too kind of, like, big. Not everyone kind of like instantly knows it, but it's just like, oh, yeah, their name's on this. <laughs> but, yeah, this yeah, trailer I... is very much, like, it's 343's mission statement, just kind of in a nutshell, where, you know, you've got the, the didact come in and he scans the chief's memories. You see the chief's origins as a Spartan when he's a child, kidnapped by Oni. Uh, you know, going through his memories and everything. It's just a really cool kind of like layer to to see all that. Uh, and then closing on, you know, the, the didact leaning in on him and just very, the ominous kind of like sense of foreboding there. Chief doesn't headbutt him. Um, that, <laughs> that would have been quite fun to see. Probably not <laughs> in line with the tone, but <laughs> just would have been quite funny. Whack! Yeah. I, I, I hate... Oh man, I hate to do this, but I, this is probably one of my least favorite things from the Halo Four market. Oh really? I'm not okay, a big fan of the scan trailer. I don't know. It just felt very tonally off to me, and I'm not even saying I have objective good reasons to back it up, but just the 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 blue hue and Chief hanging there and and Didact approaching him. I just it just felt very very different for Halo for me. Okay. I, I okay. I never. I would say that it still hyped me up because, you know, prior to Halo 4 launching, I'm just like, oh, I'm more Halo 4. I'm so hyped. But in retrospect, when I go back and I look through all this content, like, I'm not a big fan of the scanned trailer. I think it would have been interesting as a scene in the game, just the moment where he kind of, you know, when you awaken the Didact for the first time and he pulls you in and everything, if there he just quickly scanned you, you got those quick sort of like images of Mm -hmm. him as a child, him getting augmented back to the present quickly. Like he's got this very quick catch up on who exactly you are and kind of what you represent. That would have been quite interesting. And maybe that's part of the reason why it seemed odd to me now that you say that, because maybe if that same trailer scan had been done pretty much the same way, except Chief wasn't being held in some kind of stasis, and it was like, if it was literally the scene where you meet Didact in Halo 4, I think it would have done more for me, because maybe subconsciously I'm going, to me, in the scan trailer, it looks like Chief is being held prisoner. Mm. And I'm like, I just, I'm just not used to seeing Chief like held up in, in, in a more prison. Submissive state, yeah. it, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't fit to see Chief like that. Even though I know, like, um, Halo 3's Uprising comic, he was more or less 
in a similar situation, if I remember correctly, as far as being kind of a prisoner there. So. I just realized the potential erotic implications there. Just like the didact coming up and Chief's just like, oh, hell yeah. <laughs> well, to, to contrast with uh, with Alex's thing, what if, what if he just started tickling the Master Chief? <laughs> <laughs> I was just deep down like, <laughs> it's it's been nine years and I've never thought these thoughts. So, <laughs> so this is brand new territory for me. Yes. <laughs> brand new, unexpected, unwelcome territory. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> It'd be hard for me to see that now and not think of that. Oh, that's so funny. Long have I dreamt of this pillow fight. <laughs> <laughs> Um, on October 3rd, just, uh, or I'm sorry, October 23rd, just a few days later, the gameplay launch. It is really, (laughs) dude, that's awesome. Okay. So the gameplay launch trailer came out on this day. Do you remember that at all? Yeah. It was a hell of a birthday present. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was cool. They show like the, the cryptum in a sort of like CG kind of thing. And then you got some didact sort of quotes going on saying, you know, I've long dropped to this day reclaimer and everything. Uh, a long last you come and all that. Um, and then just some really cool, like, uh, non-spoilery, thankfully, um, looks at the game, which is really, you know, it, it was a really cool launch trailer. I just really liked it. Yeah, that is super. That stuff gets me so hyped whenever they do the gameplay launch mm-hmm. trailers. I remember for MCC, they did, I think it was a GameStop ad, technically, but they did this, like, short, I think it was like a 30-second spot trailer uh, set to Queens, we will rock you, and it just was like showing just all the different games and like the reload. They were reloading weapons, firing guns. Mm. And it was all going to the beat, and I just remember being on this. Like it took my hype to max levels. I was like, yes, like I am so ready for this. Uh, what were you at this point in time? Where's your guys's hype levels? Is it really hard to get like? Just to be awake, did you guys just want to go in a coma until this game came Very out? Much like, so. It was like, if the game's gone gold, please release it now. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I agree with that. Yeah, ev- everything about uh, Halo 4 all the way up to launch just had me hyped. I-, I didn't really have many. Like, I had the general concern of new people making Halo, will it be good? But ultimately, from everything I've seen, I, I-, I wasn't very concerned. I remember the first time... I want to say maybe it was a Game Informer. The first time I saw like a screenshot of Chief inside the Forward Unto Dawn in the first mission, mm-hmm. and just seeing how beautiful those graphics looked for 360 back in the day, and just yeah. like, because like, and I was just like, I remember seeing that image of him in the Forward Unto Dawn, and I thought this mm-hmm. is exactly how I always pictured it. Like I, when I beat Halo Three, I pictured a game in the future where Cortana said, Chief, you know, wake up, Chief, and then he gets up and you have to get out of the forward and the dawn. That's how I pictured it, and that's exactly how it started. So it was just, it was bliss at the time, yeah. Uh, for, from you guys' perspective, um, having ridden this hype train, how did it feel uh, going into the, the release of this game compared to, like, say, I guess, like, Halo 3 or Halo Reach? Like, just in terms of, like, the Bungie versus 343 thing, did it feel very similar? Did it feel really exciting to go into this new era that felt like it was continuing off that? I mean, what was that like for you guys? Yeah, it was exactly the same for me. Um, you know, going into Reach, um, that was at a time when the Spartan 3s were my favorite sort of thing in the universe because we hadn't, you know, gone too far into the whole four on a side of things yet. So going into Reach, I was like, oh, it's going to be the best game I've made. (laughs) (laughs) Alex was like, no, it wasn't. (laughs) Just picture the Arrested Development, like Ron Howard voice. (laughs) 
uh Halo little 3, did i know Halo three very much the same you know super excited to finish the fight uh follow the iris arg and uh, all the marketing and everything so it it just felt like the next step in in that really Okay, okay. Yeah, I will for for no reasons that have anything to do with the games or the developers themselves. I would say I hate cuz I hate to say it cuz I, w- I want to say I was more excited for Halo 4, but I think my hype for Reach was more over the top than 4. Mm-hmm. And I think all that is is it's just literally it's as simple as I was getting older. Mm. You know, so like like 3 was the most I was ever hyped for a game in my whole life and then ODST and Reach very hyped. More more hyped for Reach than ODST obviously cuz ODST was a less "Quote unquote less ambitious project." Um, I think I can relate with that because I felt that way with Halo Five because I, I I missed the whole train of Halo Four and everything, and I thought seeing all my friends get excited for Halo Five, I was like, "Oh wow, I get a second crack at all the you know the multiplayer fun and shenanigans and stuff like that." So it was even, definitely even kind like of my now, age at the time. Yeah, even like now, like waiting for Halo Infinite, like I I'm I'm excited, really excited for Halo Infinite. Can't wait, gonna get it day one. Um, but I know deep down my excitement for Halo Infinite now compared to me in high school waiting for other halo games it's not even close it's tempered now isn't it (laughs) very tempered yeah very that's a that's the appropriate word tempered yeah i feel like whenever they have the multiplayer reveal and we get to see what that actually looks like it's just going to be an entire episode of me screaming (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's when it won't be hard to get it won't be hard to get josh to to do a relevant episode because he'll be like multiplayer yeah brian let's talk about it (laughs) uh all right guys we have arrived on november 6th halo 4 is released to the masses Uh, with a meta score of 87 uh, a couple other places like joystick gives it 100 ign a 98 polygon a 95 game informer a 93 and then one of the lower ones egm uh, gave it a 70 guys uh for those listening, we're going to be covering the campaigns in specific um, here in the, the coming episodes. But for you two guys, uh, for us to kind of talk a bit freeform, can you guys take me through your experiences of whether you got this at midnight or what, but like just your kind of sort of pre-launch experiences, then your experience just playing through that game, your thoughts, your feelings, and then kind of where you're at now. Take it away, Alex. Yeah, I got Halo 4 a day early. <laughs> I got it November Ooh. 5th. It arrived. Um, and it was like that was penance for Skyrim just uh, a year earlier, arriving mm-hmm. a day yes. late. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that was an exciting. Worth a trade off. Yeah. Yeah. So you you'll miss out on Skyrim for twenty four hours, but you'll get Halo for twenty four hours earlier. Did you have anybody messaging you, like bugging you or anything? Like I'm still that? friends with uh, <laughs> with one of them today, um, <laughs> who, who was just like, "You bastard." <laughs> <laughs> Um, I bet that felt amazing. It did. It felt really good. I got home from school and there it was just waiting for me. It was like, there, there are a very few number of games where I have literally like jumped for joy like in the air where when I've held them in my hands. I can tell you what they are now. ODST, Mass Effect 2, Halo 4. Like the, those are the three, 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 picks. three games. Uh, so immediately, you know, jumped straight into that. I didn't even install the multiplayer. I just jumped straight into the campaign because obviously it came with that second disc where you had to install the multiplayer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just like, right, uh, I'm, you know, going to a galaxy far, far away now. <laughs> and that, that's where I <laughs> I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, before I talk about my experience, I was going to say I will forever think that, and I love both these guys, but I will forever think oh, that. Um, Ryan McCaffrey giving. That's what I was gonna say. 
Yeah. Josh, yeah. giving Halo 4 a 9.8 was nothing but him being caught up in the hype. Yeah. Years later, he says he stands by his decision, but I think that's just uh, his in- trying to keep his integrity. I remember him saying you know, in that video, like, what if Halo 4 is the best Halo ever? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was he was caught up in the hype and he still says that he stands by it, but like obviously as it, with his job at IGN, like he probably wants to maintain his, his integrity. And I, I don't blame him, but like the, the, like even I'm trying trying to be as objective as I can. There's there's no way Halo Four is a nine point eight on an objective <laughs> yeah. scale. I, even I uh, would just, agree with that. Yeah, there's just <laughs> no way. Um and then also to 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 take the focus off Ryan McCaffrey, it was like a the year it was the same year? Or the, I think it was the year before that. Greg Miller gave uh, Uncharted Three a perfect ten, which I also thought was kind of crazy. Especially if you look at if you go to the Uncharted fan base, most people do not have Uncharted Three yeah, I love that at series, the top. But, uh, yeah, it's not at the yeah. top for me. It's yeah, still good. so yeah. some some definitely you know hype hype affects even the professionals for sure. <laughs> yes. Um, but for me, with the launch of Halo Four, um, at the time I worked a second shift job, so I got off work at eleven and I drove right to the GameStop, got it at midnight. Drove home as fast as possible, as Josh knows, because I have to. And uh, my youngest brother wanted to watch me play it, and I told him, I said, you can come in and sit here and watch me play it, but if you say one word, I am kicking you out so fast. Because this is this is a, almost a romantic experience between me and Halo 4, so I don't want no little brothers around. Um, so I started playing it on a work night. Well, so like I got off work at 11, but I had to be to work at... I think it was noon or one o'clock the following day. Um, we we're working ten-hour shifts, and it was also the day we voted uh, for the president. Yes, this year. yeah, okay. Um, and it was my dad's. They birthday. talked about that a lot in the panels. Actually, they brought that up yeah. a lot. Yeah. So, uh, oh, there so was a great I, um, an ancient evil awakens poster, but with Mitt Romney on it. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that, but that's awesome. Um, yeah, so I, I sat down and I played the game nonstop without quitting from beginning to end. I think I finished around 6.30, so it was about six hours. Um, I, I played it on normal. I don't know. It's weird that I did that because I always play on heroic first, but back Same. then I played on normal. Consume. Um, yeah, so, yeah, consume. So uh, <laughs> six, six, 6.30 in the morning, I finished it. I was blown away, super happy. I was just in shock by how great the game was. I loved it. Um, and then my mom wanted to go to breakfast, and then we had to go vote. And then when I got back home, it was like 9, 30, 10 o'clock, and I had to be to work. 10, so like 10 a.m., I had to be to work at 1 p.m. So I slept for two and a half hours and then went in for a 10-hour shift, and everybody at work was like, dude, Halo 4 is so awesome. I got to the third level. I got to the fourth level. I'm like, you plebs, I beat the game. Like, <laughs> and they're like, you beat the game already? Like, you just got it. I was like, yeah, I stayed up. I've only had two and a half hours sleep. And I was miserable at work for probably the first five hours until I... I it, my body had just said, well, I guess we're going to have to live like this. Uh, and then when I got home from work that night, I didn't go to bed. I went and played Halo 4. So, did you play through the campaign again? Did you try any multiplayer? Um, I think I did. I think I jumped in the multiplayer first, and then I like dabbled in redoing the campaign again as well, like the first few missions. And then I went to bed and made sure I got a full eight hours of sleep after all that. But uh, yeah, it was a super exciting time. My brother loved it as well. My uh, brother Creighton, we we sat, we just put our TVs next to each other and do multiplayer for all night long, and uh, yeah, we were just really happy with it. Um, it's weird, and I know Alex can relate. I don't think Josh as much, but my me and my brother, when Halo Three came out, it was one of those deals where like, well, Halo Three is awesome. It was great. Really, it, it it didn't disappoint, but at the same time, me and him were a little disappointed with the story of Halo Three, just because two seemed so ambitious. So when we played Halo Four, it was like exceeding expectations, mm. whereas Halo Three. 
even though Halo 3 did everything it really possibly could to realistically please someone, I feel like uh, it came in a little under, whereas Halo 4 was like, whoa, holy shit, this is one of the best. Yeah. Uh, so, such a great experience. Yeah. Well, that's good. Well, uh, last thing I want to ask you guys about this, uh, and then we'll close this episode out, is what were you guys' thoughts on the making of Halo 4 documentary that we had gotten? And then also, if you guys can touch briefly on Spartan Ops, just in terms of its story, you know, your, what are your thoughts on that? Start with uh, start with you, Alex. Which documentary is this? Is this the um, Infinity Multiplayer one? Uh, I thought it was. I'm trying to think of the one. I think didn't it come on the disc? I might be I might be confusing it with was a. Was there a disc? Uh, was there a disc that had it on there? Okay, okay, maybe I'm maybe I'm mixing it up. But anyway, um, I guess we can just you answer your question about Spartan Ops. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd like to hear you guys' thoughts on Spartan Ops story because we don't yeah, have um, a particular episode on that plan. So. Spartan Ops had obviously released uh, just the first five missions when when the game launched, and we were going to see it kind of unfold over the weeks and months ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it didn't put its best foot forward. Um, that mode, you know, because <laughs> well, the the opening cutscene is obviously really cool and gets you gets you into it. And you meet the characters and everything. But the uh, the missions, I think, in those first five episodes before they take that holiday break and really put more resources into the second half, it was a bit rough. Was it? Mm. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I got to play it all at once, whereas you guys... You know, that's another thing, too. Were, were you guys... Was it exciting to... Before you kind of got to really fully experience Spartan Ops, was it really cool to play through the campaign, launch night and all that, just knowing you were going to get more of the story to come? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. It's like a new, a brand new thing that they were doing, tuning in every week and the prospect of seeing like, you know, these five to eight minute long cinematics, uh, you know, in the long term was just really cool. We'd never had anything like that before. Yeah, I had a different perspective at the beginning because, yeah, so I was just really excited to play more story content. And since there was only so many missions available day one, I played it. And then it was, I played it and I was just like, wow, this is more pseudo campaign. This is awesome. And then I would wait for the next week for more to come out and then more would come out and I'd be like, oh man, it's, it's today, a day where we got more Spartan Ops missions. So like, I think I was, today? yeah, is it today? Yeah. Uh, I think I was really excited about Spartan Ops for several weeks. And then I, I had this like idea in my mind, like I, I got a couple weeks in and I started saying to myself, I'm like, Damn it! They're probably going to have a, a an achievement or a reward for completing all fifty episodes in Legendary. <laughs> so I restarted and started playing them all in Legendary. And then every time a new one would come out, I would play it in Legendary, which was just a trial of of my patience because I just sit there and die over and over again. So basically, by the time I got to the end of Spartan Ops, I hadn't been enjoying it for twenty <laughs> yes. some levels. Um, so it, it ended up it being it started out as something extremely exciting, and then once it was all out, it was all said and done. I was mostly just like. Watch the cutscenes on YouTube. Hmm. Yeah. That's what you told me when I was getting into all that stuff, as you said, watch the cutscenes. And then I did. And then when uh, when I was going through them on MCC and playing through all the games, I went through and decided to do that as my sort of epilogue for the experience. And just I, I wanted, I figured there was going to be some kind of like in-game play sort of like dialogue, you know, like when, she, when Palmer says eggheads and stuff like that. But that was really the... Unfortunately, that was the most I had to look forward to was little comments like that rather than any kind of like contextual stuff. So yeah. that was a chore. And I don't think I had ever played but, through. You know, Ops they again. tried something new and I give them credit for that. You know? Yeah. Make new mistakes. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And it's it's fun to watch that, too, because it's like it's it's just crazy to go on like something like YouTube. And if you want to watch all Halo 4 cinematics, but then there's a Spartan Ops thing, which is like 
what almost an hour i think in of itself of cutscenes. Mm. Well, that's it's pretty amazing yeah, it's kind of crazy if you think about so there, there's a, there's a decent size sect of the halo community that that quote unquote doesn't like rts games and they just watch the cutscenes for halo wars so if you're in that group i mean you gotta understand how much if you wanted to sit down in a day and watch all of halo wars one and two's cutscenes. Spartan Ops cutscenes, all the anniversary Halo One and Two terminals, Halo Four's terminals. Um, and You're gonna then, have a good time. And then Nightfall and Ford Under Dawn, and also the uh, Halo Legends. Like you could have, you could pretty much make a whole week out of watch watching Halo content. Yeah, definitely. So that sounds so much fun. Yeah. That's literally what I did when I was getting back into Halo, <laughs> and it was because Halo, like Halo Four, was at the face of it for me. Suddenly, it was like. All this stuff I'd realized that like came out around Halo 4's time, I didn't know about when I first played Halo 4, and I was like, "Holy shit! Like this is this is awesome." It was 343 and Halo 4 that brought me back into the fold than it was MCC. Even though I was under the guise that MCC was coming out in the in a couple months, but uh, I always had Halo 4 to thank for that. I just had a thought. Some Alex said too. He said I can't remember. I already can't remember. I think it was last episode, not this episode, where you said like people were upset with Halo Legends, like this can't be canon. But now the thing is, now the thing is, Halo TV show, this needs to be canon. Why is this not canon? You know, it's. I think it's funny. I always, I always find that people's opinions are less rooted in, uh, you know, solidified stances and more. It just kind of changes like the wind. It's It's the same with like dual wielding that's come up, right? Nobody was, nobody gave a shit about dual wielding really. Uh, And it's only now that 343 has actually said, yeah, it's not in the game. And people are like, oh, you know, what about dual wielding? It's like, there was never an expectation over the last three years that we've known about Infinite that that would be part of it because it's not been in the games for like 12 years. I'm so glad you said that, Alex, because I just told Brian, and I I mean, you guys have a better grasp on the community out there, but I told him, I said, unless I'm mistaken, I don't remember there being a huge conversation about playable elites and dual wielding, and then suddenly it's like, here's a new thing from 343, and suddenly some Halo fans out there I mean, there was constructive ones for sure, but some of them are like, okay, here's what I'm mad about with Halo today. Mm. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, yeah, there, there's a tad more credibility to playable elites. But, I think there um, is too, but yeah. I think, you know, I hate, because like, on one hand, I, I feel like what I'm about to say is kind of objective, but then at the same time, I try to stop myself and go, well, people are different. But like, I feel like for me, I just I just kind of ab- arrived at a point where I've played games long enough I'm, I'm getting older where i just i like we me and alex talked about earlier i just temper my expectations and everything so it, it takes a lot for me to get upset in the way that we're mm. seeing sometimes on social media i mean it takes a lot it would have to be it'd have to be something like you know like if 343 came out and said halo infinite's campaign is going to be split into uh, 10 different parts that you buy for 14.99 each i would be <laughs> like then, then I'd be like, okay, I feel like that's really something to get fed up with because this is not. I don't want the future of Halo to be bite-sized, episodic, you know, you know, something like that. That's crazy. But when it comes down to things like this, even, even, even things that have a good, you can make a good case for, like the the shaders. Like, yeah, this might be, this could be, it could be intrusive with microtransactions. That's there's there's something to be said for. But at the same time, like I'm just so tempered in my expectations that I'm like, what do I really want to let ruin my whole day? And there's not, a, there's not a lot I'm willing to do. Some people have a completely different answer than you. They do. And I think scenario. like we need a healthy understanding of hope versus expectation and how they are different from each other. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they, yeah, they're, they're not, they're not the same. Um, and there's, 
Uh, it's okay. And the thing is too, is it's, that's what we covered on a prior episode. We're just like, you know, it's not also not beneficial to go on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever, and say, well, I don't care about playable elites. Well, who gives a damn if you don't care about playable elites? There's a lot of people out there who do. Mm. So don't be disrespectful and, and, and hand wave the whole thing. So it's like on one hand, you know, you don't want to hand wave the issue for people who care, but at the same time for the people who do care, you don't want to die on that hill. Yeah. I mean, is it really worth it? You know? I feel bad because every now and then I'll see comments that I shouldn't entertain the idea of, and that but it makes me laugh. Like some people can be like, you know, no playable elites, this is bullshit. And then someone's like, oh, you're hating on it today. You know, that's fine. Let me know how that goes. And that shit makes me laugh so much sometimes, <laughs> but at the same time, it shouldn't. You know, but um, uh, last, yeah, last question uh, I wanted to ask you guys for Halo Four. Um, you know, for me, well, it's less of a more of a rant. I just want to hear you guys' thoughts on, but um. For me, so much of these, as I get older, so much of the experiences with the sort of hype train leading up to these games, the Halo ones, um, I realize the nostalgia is also just where I was at. Those points in my life, like each Halo, with each Halo game, I'm at a different point in my life. Mm-hmm. I've met different people, maybe worked at different place, or so on and so forth. Um, you know, and you were you mentioned it in one of the earlier episodes we did, Alex, and you were just kind of reflecting on you know where it was for you at the time and just how cool it was, how much it kind of like kind of pivoted you know not necessarily pivoted but like just your trajectory got so changed and and stuff because you know your blog and everything like that um what what do you think that guy do you think it's possible that anything could could potentially beat you know halo 4 for you guys i mean obviously 3 was such a huge peak and stuff but i mean with time and nostalgia um and halo 4's legacy you know do you feel like infinite can top that anything else can you know looking back at 4 as i often do uh, it was such a kind of seminal kind of term, turning point, probably the biggest turning point in my life because, uh, you know, it was my last year at, uh, at school with my friends and living at home before I went off to university. And that is all reflected for me in, you know, the chief having to effectively kind of like, you know, he loses Cortana. He's kind of diverged away a bit from the UNSC. You know, he's striking out more independently. And the very last shot of the game before the epilogue is, you know, he when he's standing on the Infinity Bridge looking out at Earth, not really sure of his place in, in everything. So there's, um, you know, that's the closest I think I've ever felt to the Chief as a character. It's never been in like, you know, what he says or what he does or, you know, what he blows up. It's in that moment where he's just kind of like, doesn't know what's going to happen next. Yeah, I definitely get yeah. that. I definitely get that. Uh, it's such a much more intimate store, and I love it for that. As I've gotten older, I'm like, this is exactly what I wanted it to be. Yeah, I, I adore Halo Four, but unlike you know, for Alex, Halo Four is the height of his his passion for Halo. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it's for me, it's always been Halo Combat Evolved and Halo Two. Those two are the top for me. So when it comes to Halo Infinite and what it can achieve, I think if it's a really good game it could come in third for me, but I, I don't feel it could, could, could surpass Halo 1 and 2 because even if it's a far better game, it's just Halo 1 and 2, just, it's, just a, it's a point of my life, it's nostalgic, it's it's unfair to Infinite for to even ask it to compete, you know, so... Well, I'll um, have a new sense of nostalgic yeah. definitely going through, uh, just as time goes on, having gone through the research, watching all these panels, the vid docs, um, just seeing how people reacted, reading some of the articles then, like... Damn, it must have been really cool. I wish, in in retrospect, I would have, you know, been more active in the gaming and stuff at the time because this was just a hell of a time to see that three four three could carry that stuff. Even though 
Bungie gave us so much stuff with the vid docs and the making of the bonus discs, the limited editions and all this, you know, landfall and stuff. Like, I feel like we got so much more with Halo 4 and um, I'm pretty grateful for that because mm-hmm. I don't, uh, I don't, it's just crazy to expect that they would even be able to do something like that, but they did. So, pretty yeah, definitely. Cool. So, Josh, we're our next our next episode. We'll be talking about the campaign missions. Yep. With that, and that'll kind of be our last. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> if Alex had known he was signing up for a six month commitment, <laughs> um, but uh, so that'll be that'll be kind of our real last episode, and then we're planning on maybe doing an episode after that with like some kind of Q and A. Yeah, just just have a little fun, nice little epilogue to you know, a little victory lap to all. It feels of good so, that yeah. we made it this far. Indeed, it really yeah, does. it's been awesome. So. It's been awesome. I have learned a shit ton, especially <laughs> in that Forerunner episode or the Forerunner saga. Like, oh, wow. Yeah. Sometimes when I want to go to sleep, I just go back and play that. When I'll just, you know what? I want to sleep. I'll just have Alex <laughs> I read like the Greg Bear novels. Let me just uh, impromptu you, just relate the entire story of three whole books to you. <laughs> yeah. You know, Alex, I, I mean, I want all the success for you in the world, but if I could pick one thing selfishly, is I would love if 343 someday tasked you with doing an audiobook. Just doing at least one of them. That'd be lovely. I, I would not or say Or writing a book and doing audio. That would yeah, also there you be go. Very lovely. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be fantastic. Like, I know that guy. I'm like, no, you don't. Right. Yeah, oh, that'd be awesome. But uh, all right, guys, we're going to get out of here. Um, we hope you've enjoyed another episode of the Haruspus Retrospective. And you'll want to tune in for the next one because it'll be juicy going through all of those campaign missions. Juicy and it'll, it'll, it'll kind of be our last, our last real hurrah for this re- retrospective. I'll finally be able to title it the final part instead of part <laughs> 39. Um, but I'm looking forward to that. So thank you guys uh, for joining me again. And uh, we will see you on the next episode of the Sacred Icon Podcast. And as always, keep it sacred. Peace, guys.